Welcome back to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite holidays, Halloween. A fun fact is I used to be obsessed with Halloween. That was my number one holiday. I've always been into theater and acting and dressing up, so I think that's why it especially appealed to me. Um, But I have converted to Independence Day or the 4th of July being my favorite holiday for obvious reasons with my love of history. However, I'm really excited that I'm getting to launch this episode on Halloween itself. And I was kind of thinking about where did Halloween come from? What was its purpose? How is it celebrated in other countries? I really didn't know much about it. So today I've done some research and I have some interesting stories to share with you about the history of Halloween and some facts about how it connects to love and life that I was really surprised to read about. Now, Halloween as a whole kind of has a focus on the theme of living and dying. And like we know it today as being this very spooky, ghoulish kind of holiday. And it evolved from ancient rituals that were all around living and dead, the transformation from summer to winter. And it can kind of best be traced back to the ninth century when there was an ancient Celtic festival called Samhain, um, which is actually spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. So I'm doing my best with the pronunciation there, um, but if you want to look it up, that's how it's spelled. And it was celebrated at the end of October, beginning of November. And the Celts believed that on the night before the new year, which their new year started November 1st, that the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became very blurred. And so on the night of October 31st, they celebrated Samhain when it was believed that the ghosts of the dead were returning to earth. Now, some of this was like a little scary. Some of it was more almost like think of, you know, Day of the Dead in Mexico, um, where there's also some like really positive feelings around it like you're getting to visit or honor loved ones. Um, But it was kind of connected for them into the harvest, into the celebration of the new year. And some of the traditions were like they would light bonfires and they'd wear costumes to ward off ghosts that weren't friendly. Um, And then as time went on and as Christianity began to make waves, the idea was how could we incorporate these pagan festivals and holidays into Christianity. In the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as a time to honor all saints, and it was called All Saints Day, and it would incorporate some of the traditions of the pagan holidays to still make it feel familiar to the people that they were trying to target to celebrate this. And the evening before that was known as All Hallows' Eve, which later became Halloween. Now, I got to thinking, all right, this is interesting. This is what was going on across the pond of how Halloween was developing. But what about what was going on in America? The ha- the celebration of Halloween, it was like super limited um, in colonial New England because of the Protestant belief system that was in place. They were not big into celebrating. Um, but as time went on and as there were other religions that were represented in America, Halloween did start to catch on. And the 
festivals sort of included ghost stories and mischief making and um, a development of what we more commonly know of as Halloween. And by the middle of the 19th century, annual autumn festivals were really common, um, but Halloween wasn't celebrated everywhere in the country. It was more so in the second half of the 19th century when America was really flooded with new immigrants. Um, And that's when some of these traditions from the European source made their way over to America, especially as there were millions of Irish immigrants who were fleeing the Irish potato famine. So they really helped to popularize the celebration of Halloween all across the U.S., Some of the traditions that I've been mentioning, like mischief night and destruction of property, and there was like a lot that kind of got swept up in this celebration. Um, And they kind of started in the U.S. to, to have a problem with this. And actually, in a town in Kansas in 1912, there was a woman who was called Elizabeth Krebs, and she had had enough. What was happening in that town is that every year... For Halloween, the children were running around wearing masks and they were actually vandalizing property. So you can kind of think of, at least for me growing up, the night before Halloween was always called mischief night and people would throw eggs at your house or throw toilet paper in your trees and just generally cause a little bit of mayhem. And in Kansas in 1912, like it was kind of to another level. So this woman, Elizabeth, her garden was getting destroyed every year. The town as a whole was being vandalized. And so she was like, what in the world can I do about this? And the next year she decided, all right, well, what I'll do is I'll organize a party for the young people. And I'm going to try to just like get them really tired, give them other activities to focus on, and hopefully they won't have energy to go around and destroy things like they usually do. And she put this on totally herself in 1913, but it did not work. They still went around and vandalized as usual. And so in the next year, in 1914, she's like, all right, I can't do this on my own. Clearly, I wasn't able to do it on a grand enough scale. Let me try to get the whole town in on this. And so they brought in a band. They held a costume contest. They even put on a parade. And finally, it worked. (laughs) People of all ages really enjoyed this festive Halloween celebration and everyone by all getting together, the energies were focused on more of a constructive and positive celebration than vandalizing. And so what happened was there was news, of course, of her success, and it traveled outside of Kansas to other towns and other cities who decided to do similar celebrations. So it included costume contests like she did and parades, music, food, dancing. um, And it was all kind of put together around the theme of frightening ghosts and goblins and like making it still that scary. Halloween that we know today, but much more like family focused and multiple you know generations all together, rather than it just being kids running off and like being ridiculous. <laughs> um, so that kind of gives you an idea of how we got to how the celebrations appear today. But I wanted to look back at some surprising traditions that did not stand the test of time, that have not made it as part of our Halloween celebrations now, um, but were super surprising to me and were all about love. 
Many of these traditions had to do with helping young women figure out who their future husband was going to be and looking for reassurance that they are going to find love someday and hopefully by next Halloween they're going to be married. Um, And there were a handful of really unique, or at least unique ideas to, to me, right, with these old traditions of how you can figure out who your husband is going to be. In the 18th century in Ireland, it was common for cooks to bury a ring in dishes like mashed potatoes on Halloween night and hope that it would bring true love to whatever diner found it. In Scotland, it was a tradition for young women to name hazelnuts after each of her suitors and then to take the nuts and toss them into a fireplace. And the idea was that whatever nut burned all the way down to ashes instead of popping and exploding, that would tell the girl, oh, that's going to be your husband. So if I named my hazelnut Joe and I threw it in the fire and it disintegrated, that would mean he was going to end up being my guy and not any of the other suitors that apparently you'd have that you'd be naming all of your hazelnuts after. Uh, But there are some versions where they say that the opposite is true and that if you're hazelnut burns to ashes, then it's a love that will not last. So not totally clear on exactly how that worked, but the idea was that the fireplace would be able to tell you who your husband would be. There were other traditions like this where women would toss apple peels over their shoulders and they would hope that the peels would fall on the floor in such a way that they would create shapes so they could see the initials of their future husband. Um, There's another one, which I'm really not sure how this one works, but you'd try to learn your future by looking at egg yolks that you put in a bowl of water as they were floating. So I don't know if it's like a reading the tea leaves kind of situation. Um, And then the creepiest one that I found was was when women would stand in front of a mirror in a dark room and you'd hold a candle up and you'd look over your shoulder and you would supposedly see your future husband's face reflected back at you in the mirror if you did this on Halloween night. So you can see that a lot of these traditions have definitely either evolved or been eliminated over time in terms of its association with Halloween. But just like the traditions have evolved over time, it's also depended on your culture and country what Halloween means to you. I want to give one example of Halloween in another country, and I specifically want to talk about Japan because it is kind of wild how over the last like 20 years, Halloween has actually developed as an important day in Japan. So if we go back in time a little bit, um, when Disneyland came to Tokyo, they started doing Halloween celebrations in 2000. So if you've ever been to Disney World or Disneyland in the US and you know about the Halloween celebrations, you'd probably recognize that there would be jack-o'-lanterns all over the place and there would be Mickey and Minnie all dressed up in their Halloween costumes. And there's even you know celebrations that it's like the not-so-scary celebration designed for children. And so that's sort of how Halloween first came into Japan. And the Japanese like weren't super into it. It wasn't like it took off immediately. It especially wasn't as popular to begin with because the foreigners who lived in Japan, so Americans and Europeans, 
they would celebrate Halloween and they'd be super disruptive. Um, So it was actually pretty funny what I was learning. They would dress up in costumes on Halloween and they would go down into the public transit, into the subways, or I'm not even sure if I should call it a subway in Japan, but at least that's how we would refer to it here in New York. So they'd go down into the trains and they would commandeer cars on the trains and essentially turn them into like a Halloween party. And this would happen year over year over year. And it would disrupt the commutes of the Japanese. The Japanese protested against it. So it really wasn't a, it wasn't immediately adopted. And Japan already has the equivalent of a spooky season or an honoring the dead season that happens in August. So they didn't really have a need for a living and dead kind of holiday because they already had representation of that. So they ended up over time importing, uh, basically importing Halloween into their country and putting their own spin on of it. And this was pretty evident that it was going to start taking off when Japanese adults started to get super into dressing up. Japan is already known for cosplay, and they were really focused on this giving them another opportunity to have costumes as a you know sort of nationwide acceptable day to wear and show off. And it was pretty interesting to see that they really take it quite seriously. So one of the most famous Halloween parades or celebrations in Japan is at Kawasaki, and they typically have around 4,000 costumed revelers, so people who are coming and celebrating and showing off their costumes. And it's not like you can just throw on anything and show up. They actually have very specific standards and participants have to apply months in advance to even be allowed to join the festivities. The funniest thing to me about all of this was that now it is so common for there to be Halloween trains where exactly what the Japanese didn't like years ago when foreigners were celebrating Halloween by turning train cars into party cars, now it's actually an organized thing that you can sign up for and the Japanese love it and they they have these party Halloween cars. So it was pretty interesting to see how if you didn't have a need for that like living and dead type holiday, what it could turn into and how it could be popularized in a different country. So there you have it. That is the history of Halloween, the interesting connections that it has to matchmaking, and just a little taste of how it's celebrated around the world. This year, I'm personally going to not one, but two Halloween parties. Um, So it's exciting to see how the holiday continues to evolve for adults and is a fun excuse to celebrate. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Stories New and Old on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow me on Instagram to get teasers for new episodes, and you can check out my blog for more great content around historical topics, books, personal development. And if you're so inclined, could you please rate and review this episode? It really helps me as I come up with new ideas, and it's an awesome way to support this podcast. Thank you for listening to Stories New and Old with me, Alyssa. I will see you next time.